2016. We hope you'll join us any night at the Mutiny uh, Radio the Comedy Mental. Festival for happy hour pricing all night long. Just mention that you were an audience member for happy hour pricing March 2nd through 6th at Asiento, 2730 21st Street at Bryant Street, just a half a block away from Mutiny Radio. Asiento has a warm, friendly neighborhood vibe that's perfect for an after-work drink or for a night out, featuring a comfortable bar and extensive tapas menu. This is the perfect place for groups that want to get together for drinks and food without the restaurant uh, commitment. Siento. Don't be surprised if you suddenly find yourself at Asiento for the entire night. It feels just like home with bartender service. Asiento. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Can't laugh about starving for turnip and beet and attention? You are a capitalist pig, and the KB- KGB will visit you shortly. Every Monday, 2 to 4 p.m. Miren, miren! Es un pájaro. Es un avión. No! Es un chimán! Looking to invest in the future of your community? MiniRadio.fm and the Boys and Girls Club. Mission Clubhouse needs your help. Please donate to keep the Radio Pressure Institute right now alive on the air every Thursday from 4.50 to 5.50 p.m. Donations are tax deductible. Donate online at www.muniradio.fm or just stop by the station at 21st Street and Florida. That's 2781 21st Street and throw some cash in the big glass jar. Stop by to experience live audience friendly shows every day of the week and know that you're supporting the future of the mission by keeping free speech alive for all ages. This PSA is brought to you by your friends and community partners at muniradio.fm. Hi, I'm Chuck Weiss. If you're an old baby boomer like me, pain is probably something you've learned to live with by now. Yes, there are drugs on the market that help, but they come with side effects and shouldn't be used for extended periods of time. But fortunately, there is an effective natural pain reliever available in this state, medical cannabis. Let me tell you about Alta California Botanicals. They're a manufacturer of fine cannabis tinctures. Now you can take your medication in liquid form, much more discreet than pulling out a pipe and lighting up. Alta California Botanicals offers five different formulations, each one addressing a specific medical concern. 
There are two that are designed for pain, one to be swallowed, of course, and a new one for external use only. I'm going to have to try that one myself on my arthritic fingers. There's a tincture for stress and one for anxiety. They'll certainly keep you mellow. And there's even one for people who suffer from MS. The cannabis tinctures from Alta California Botanicals come in one half ounce bottles. Each batch is laboratory tested and certified free of pesticides and mold. In other words, completely natural and unadulterated. Alta California Botanicals doesn't sell directly to the public, of course, but if you visit their website at Alta, A-L-T-A, CaliforniaBotanicals.com, and enter your zip code, they'll give you a list of dispensaries near you that keep their tinctures in stock. Now here's a tip for the holiday season. Keep a couple of extra bottles of the stress formula handy. It'll help maintain your cool amongst all that shopping madness. I'm Chuck Weiss for AltaCaliforniaBotanicals.com. Do you have a great idea for a product or service but don't know where to start? Are you looking to expand your current business? Women's Initiative of San Francisco began its business management training program for low-income, high-potential women in 1988. To attend a free orientation on how you can achieve your dream of starting your own business, or for more information, please contact 415-641-3460 or visit womensinitiative.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Planned Parenthood is a trusted healthcare provider, an informed educator, a passionate advocate, and a global partner helping similar organizations around the world. Planned Parenthood delivers vital reproductive health care, sex education, and information to millions of women, men, and young people worldwide. For nearly 100 years, Planned Parenthood has promoted a common-sense approach to women's health and well-being based on respect for each individual's rights to make informed, independent decisions about health, sex, and family planning. Please visit PlannedParenthood.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. This is the B. You're turning into labor and love. Jail, jump, bail, join the army, it fail. Look out, kid, you're gonna get 
where we tell you how it is weekly labor magazine here's Linda Tillery each other that's what love is for don't you let Some says no. Oh, no. Some like to wait and see. 
Let you know here that uh, you gotta serve somebody. They were in love.
construction worker working on a home. Living in a mansion, might live in a dome. Might own guns, you might even own things. You might be somebody's landlord, or you might own a bank. But you got to serve somebody. Okay, welcome to Labor and Love, everybody. This is The Bee coming at you from Mutiny Radio at 2781 21st Street. And the show is Labor and Love, the show where we tell you how it is. What do we tell you? Labor and Love. We tell you if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, Another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, 
you're probably on the menu. And finally, never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. <clears throat> labor and love for a Saturday. And I want to talk about, in fact, I will talk about the astounding Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival that is coming this week to Mutiny Radio. Every evening from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. at Mutiny Radio, back-to-back-to-back comedy acts. Beginning Wednesday, March 3rd at 6 p.m. with a group called Too Much Energy. Running all the way through the following Sunday, the 6th of March at 11 at 10 p.m. FEFY podcast. Special events at other venues. Opening party at Asiento Wednesday, March 2nd. Festival party at SF Eagle. Special comedy set at midnight. An amazing thing. Okay, you got a total of 20 acts here. 20 comedians who are coming from all over the nation to Mutiny Radio for our Mutiny Radio Comedy Fest. Comedy Festival. So don't miss it. Labor and love. What's happening? Well, we got Radio Labor and we got Labor Radio. For you. We'll talk about the new movie Race. About the life of sprinter and athlete Jesse Owens. A Yelp employee has the effrontery to write a letter to her boss that she's not getting paid enough to support herself. The letter goes viral. What reaction? We'll talk about that. How about the Carwasheros in New York? And as usual, we have music of social significance. And we have this day in labor history. February 21st, 1965, 51 years ago, almost to the day, we lost Minister Malcolm X, who was assassinated before making a speech. So here's little Malcolm X talking about the race war in America, housing conditions in the black America's fate was her worst domestic crisis since the Civil War, or since the Revolutionary War, for America now faces a race war. A race war is worse than a Revolutionary War. A race war is worse than a Civil War. A race war is a war in which no holes a A race war is a war in which children are destroyed, in which children are mutilated, in which children face the same destructive wrath that grown-ups face. The race, a race war is the worst war that you can conceive. And this war, race war, that is coming upon the head of the white man is something that he is bringing down upon himself. The entire country 
is on the verge of erupting into racial violence and bloodshed. Simply because 20 million ex-slaves are demanding freedom, justice, and equality here in America from their former slave master. 20 million so-called Negroes, second-class citizens, seeking human dignity, seeking human rights, seeking the right to live in dignity as a human being. And rather than give genuine respect and recognition to your cry for human rights, the American white man answers your nonviolence with violence. He answers your prayers and your freedom songs with false promises, deceitful maneuvers, and outright bloodshed. According to what we are taught from the white man's textbooks and his school, the Revolutionary War and the Civil War were two wars fought on American soil supposedly for freedom and democracy. But if these two wars were really for the freedom and human dignity of all men, why are 20 million of our people still confined here in America and enslaved by second-class citizenship? Something is wrong. The truth is that the Revolutionary War was fought on American soil to free the American white man from the English white man. The Revolutionary War was never fought to provide freedom and democracy in this white country for the black man. Our people remain slaves here in America even after the Declaration of Independence was signed. In fact, most of the white founding fathers who signed the Declaration of Independence were nothing but slave owners themselves. It is sheer hypocrisy, sheer ignorance, sheer insanity for our people here in America to celebrate the 4th of July as Independence Day, while white America still denies us first-class citizenship that goes with an independent people. And it is nothing but hypocrisy for the American white man to pretend that the Revolutionary War was truly a war of independence as long as 20 million black people here in America are denied the privileges of an independent people. Don't let the white man fool you. Don't let the white man smile at you and lull you to sleep. Behind that smile is a vicious heart. Behind those teeth is an animal-like beast who doesn't have it within him to want for you what he wants for himself and his own kind. Don't let that man fool you. When you look at that man, you're supposed to see him for exactly what he is. And if you want to know what he is, examine his deeds. Forget his words. He got a whole lot of pretty sounding words. Watch his deeds. His deeds are like the deeds of a snake, the deeds of a dragon, the deeds of a reptile, the deeds of a beast. Why, nothing but a race of beasts would take dogs and stick them on little black babies. Nothing but a race of beasts will sick dogs on black children and black women. Nothing but a race of beasts. And it is for these and it is these deeds today that's causing the wrath of God to come down upon the head of the white man. And when you see him as he is and see how much hell he's catching, you're out of his mind to want to be with him. You're out of his mind to want you're out of your mind to want to integrate with him. And you're really out of your mind if you take time to forgive him and ask God to have mercy on him. No, ask God to judge him. Ask God to do unto him as he has done unto you. 
He has caused your babies to suffer. Ask God to heap suffering upon his babies. He has caused your women to suffer. Ask God to heap suffering on his women. He has caused all of our people to suffer. You can't deny that. You may not like my saying it, but you can't deny it. Why, you got scars and knots on your head from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And every one of those scars is evident against the American white man and his in inhumanity to man. Minister Malcolm X there. As always, Malcolm X's arguments are invincible. He knew, he knew his views so well. He knew what was in his mind and in his heart. And more than that, he knew why it was there. He had earned it. He had lived through it. Minister Malcolm X. We'll get back on Malcolm X a little later on. Right now, I want to play the Win Week in Review. This is Workers Independent Network bringing you labor news from all over the United States. Workers Independent News Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. Economic Policy Institute senior economic analyst Dave Cooper says raising the federal minimum wage to $12 an hour would save American taxpayers $17 billion in public assistance spending. That's because many corporations pay workers so little that they qualify for public assistance programs. Big corporations are achieving extraordinary profits at the same time that their workers are relying on food stamps. Increasing the federal minimum wage to $12 by 2020 would lift wages for over 35 million workers nationwide and generate about $17 billion in savings to government assistance programs. That $17 billion could then be used to make our anti-poverty program stronger or make long overdue investments in education or public infrastructure. 500 culinary union and bartenders union workers at the Las Vegas Trump Hotel have a message for the Donny. You can start making America great by making your own hotels great for workers. The workers are inviting Trump to the negotiating table at his Las Vegas hotel. The National Labor Relations Board rejected the Trump Hotel challenge to the union election results. The Las Vegas Trump Hotel workers want Trump to recognize their union and bargain to reach a contract. Culinary Union spokesperson Bethany Kahn says the union has made a huge difference in the lives of hospitality workers. People think of these hospitality hospitality Las Vegas jobs is low-wage jobs, but they're not. Through 80 years of fighting, these workers make about $21 an hour, including their benefits. And so we support workers who want to fight for 15 and a union. So we support anyone who's working to organize, including reporters. Over 170 organizations and thousands of people plan to converge on the nation's capital April 16th through the 18th for a mass demonstration called Democracy Awakening. Joanne Powers reports. The mobilization will be pressing for reforms focused on building a stronger democracy that works for all Americans. In addition to rallying to protect voting rights of citizens and getting big money out of politics, the event will also call on the U.S. Senate to hold a fair confirmation process for a new Supreme Court justice. Republican leaders have vowed to block any nomination to the court, with nearly a full year remaining in President Obama's second term. Margareta Strand is vice president of Public Citizen, one of the organizations helping to organize the event. If you look at the list of organizations, it really is a 
very broad spectrum from large labor unions like Communication Workers of America and the nurses and the postal workers to community organizations from around the country, good government groups to large environmental groups. A lot of different organizations are coming together, not just groups who have traditionally worked on money and politics or voting rights, but groups who see that without addressing some of these very fundamental problems, we can't make progress on any issue. Workers' independent news provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Now here's Radio Labor bringing you news from all around the world. Every day and every place there's labor action. The earliest labor action that we've read about is the one back in Egypt, 3000 BC. 1826, Native Americans working at Mission Carmel stop working and go on strike because of the way they're being treated. Everywhere there's labor action. Here's the World Report. Okay, Labor Report. Reported on Friday, As I February 26, 2016. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, UK Labor warns its members about the dangers of leaving the European Union. Auto workers trying to organize in the US state of Mississippi get international support. Britain adopts an update to anti-slavery laws. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. The right-wing conservative government of the United Kingdom has called a referendum which will decide if the country stays in the European Union. The vote will take place on June 23rd. The British Trades Union Congress, the TUC, is asking workers to carefully consider the employment benefits of EU membership before making up their minds. Nicola Smith is the TUC's Head of Economics and Social Affairs. What we think now needs to become clear to people at work across the UK are the very significant benefits that employment protection from the EU is continuing to bring them. Six million workers got more paid holidays when the Working Time Directive came in in the UK. One in four women have seen extra time off. If I was someone, well I will be, voting in the referendum and I was thinking about what's best for my future, my children's future, I would think very hard about the impacts on employment, for example, of leaving the European Union. Three to four million jobs depend on our trade with the EU. 40% of our exports go to the EU. Lots of our investment depends on that. If we think we'd get the same prices, the same opportunities we're trading with that market, if we just removed ourselves from the club, I think perhaps we're kidding ourselves. The reality is that in recent years, the big employment rights gains under Labour and the Conservatives that people have seen have come from Europe. Paid holiday, paid rest breaks, rights for time off if you've got kids and your kids are unwell. The reality is with this government, which has actually eroded employment protection to people already in the UK in charge, would you want them in charge of your employment rights? 
International support for workers trying to unionize at a Nissan auto plant in the U.S. state of Mississippi is growing. The plant employs about 6,300 workers. Its managers have been using extraordinary measures to stop the workers from joining the United Auto Workers, one of America's largest trade unions. The latest attempts to shame Nissan into taking at least a neutral stance in the organizing drive is tied to the 2016 Olympics to be held in Brazil this summer. Labor unions and international labor organizations are saying that Nissan should not be accepted as a sponsor of the Games if it continues its anti-union activities. Olympic Committee guidelines specifically state that sponsoring companies should not interfere in the right of their employees to have freedom of association, in other words, the right to form a union. In Brazil, the major union centrals have met with the local Olympic Committee and told it that Nissan should be forced to observe the terms of its sponsorship deal and not interfere with the workers trying to unionize. Meanwhile, the Global Union Federation, which represents automobile workers worldwide, is trying to influence the Central Olympic Committee based in Lausanne, Switzerland. Industrial represents 50 million unionized workers in more than 140 countries. Just recently, it held a demonstration in front of the Olympic headquarters in Lausanne. Jörgi Reina is the General Secretary of Industrial. We are from Industrial Global Union and we are here to deliver a letter to the International Olympic Committee telling them that Nissan, the car giant, one of their major suppliers, is not in line with the Olympic guidelines for freedom of association for its workers. There's a major problem in Canton, Mississippi, in the uh, US. Just last week, Carlos Ghosn, the CEO of Nissan and Renault, had to respond to a questions from three members of the French Parliament about the bad behavior in the US. Mr. Gon says that Nissan respects the workers' right to join a union wherever it operates in the world. Well, Mr. Gon, I have been to Canton, Mississippi, and the workers told me a very different story. They spoke about intimidation, they spoke about threats on dismissals and even on a plant closure if they choose a union. This is not freedom of association and this is against the Olympic rules. That is why Nissan is not fit to be an Olympic sponsor. We demand that Nissan changes its behavior now, otherwise it's time to extinguish the Olympic flame for Nissan. The International Labor Organization of the United Nations is urging its member states to adopt an update to existing anti-slavery laws. Radio Labor senior correspondent Seamarie Ainsborough reports. The United Kingdom has ratified an update to an international law which bans forced labor, people trafficking, and other forms of modern slavery. There are more than 21 million men, women, and children around the world who are trapped in forced labor. More than half of these people, some 11 million, are women forced into commercial sex work. The law, adopted in January by the United Kingdom, is an ILO protocol. It is an update of a law adopted by the International Labour Organization in 1930. The ILO is the United Nations agency focused on matters of work in the world. ILO suggested laws, 
called conventions, need to be ratified by national legislatures before being applied in a country. The United Kingdom is the third country, after Niger and Norway, to adopt the protocol update to the ILO Convention on Forced Labour. One of the organizations which has been campaigning extensively for an end to modern slavery is the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITUC represents national labor centers at the world level. It has been especially critical of the Gulf state of Qatar. Qatar has a system called kafala. The kafala system enslaves workers by permanently tying millions of migrant workers to particular employers, even if they are not being paid or are being forced into unsafe work. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 2,200 stories our volunteers collected last week. Our top story section included links to news about the release of a teacher union activist in Djibouti after a campaign by the Education International that included an online action on Labor Start and national strikes in Morocco and Argentina. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Nigerian doctors walked in the start of a wage dispute. Brazilian miners also began a wage dispute last week. Garment factory workers in Pakistan were picketing in protest at their government's failure to enforce basic safety and labor rights laws in their workplace, while water filtration workers stopped work for a day to protest over their unpaid wages. Argentinian public sector workers struck in protest over the layoffs of thousands of public sector workers. Roads workers in South Africa were off the job over a wide range of demands. Public sector workers in Gaza were protesting wage theft, while 50,000 teachers across Palestine took a day to march in protest over their low pay. In Spain, public transport workers walked in a pay dispute with the support of their comrades in the United States and in Canada. And lastly, car assembly workers in India struck to back their demand for the reinstatement of 28 co-workers who had recently been sacked. Our top working women stories included coverage of pension changes in Australia and how they disadvantage women, a conference of women unionists in Southeast Asia, and how mostly women flight attendants in the United States use Facebook as an organizing tool. Our health and safety newswire carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the efforts being made to rescue three miners trapped below ground in South Africa for over two weeks, and the news that a low-interest loan fund meant to improve workplace safety in Bangladeshi garment factories has hardly been used since its creation. Currently, Labor Start is running seven online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Radio Labor's newscasts are available on its website, iTunes, mobile phones, union websites, and community radio stations. Follow us on Twitter, at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Boulanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.
Okay, this is the the B, and you're uh, listening to Mutiny Radio. That was our uh, national and international labor news. Let's play some music, and then we're going to talk about uh, the slave mentality in some of our uh, working class colleagues. Here's Queen Latifah.
Yeah. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I was raised a little young nigga doing bad shit. Talk much shit cause I never had shit. I could remember being whooped in class. And if I didn't pass, mama whooped my ass. Wasn't my fault. Papa didn't plan it out. Broke out. Left me to be the man of the house. I couldn't take it. Had to make a profit. Down the block. Got a Glock and I clock grips. Making G's was my mission. Moving up for the shit to get my mama out the kitchen. And why must I sock a fella? Just to live large like Rockefeller. First you didn't give a fuck, but you learned the now, if you don't respect the town, we'll burn you down. God damn, it's a motherfucking riot. Black people only hate police, so don't try it. If you're not from the town, then don't pass through. Cause some OG fools might blast you. It ain't right, but it's long overdue. We can't have peace till the niggas get a peace too. I want G, so you label me a criminal. And if I die, I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. And I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. Here on earth, tell me what's a black life worth? A bottle of juice is no excuse, the truth hurts. And even when you take the shit, move counters, get a lawyer, you can shake the shit. Ask Rodney Latasha, many more. It's been going on for years, there's plenty more. When they ask me, when will the violence cease? When your troops stop shooting niggas down the streets? Niggas had enough time to make a difference. Bear witness on our own business. Word to God, cause it's hard trying to make ends meet. First you couldn't afford shit, now everything's free. So we loot, please don't shoot. When you see, I'm taking from them. It's been years they've been taking from me. Now the tables are turned around. You didn't listen until the niggas burned you down. And now Bush can't stop the hit. Addicted to shit and two apocalypse. And for once I was down with niggas. Felt good in the hood, been around the niggas. Yeah, and for the first time, everybody let go. And the streets was death row. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. 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 Yeah, I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I see no changes. All I see is racist faces. Misplaced hate makes disgrace the races. We under. I wonder what it takes to make this one better place. Let's see race to waste it. Take the evil out the people that be acting right. It's more black than white. Smoke crack tonight. And the only time we deal is when we kill each other. It takes skills to be real time to heal each other. Though it seems heaven sent, we ain't ready to have a black president. Huh. It ain't a secret or conceal a fact. The penitentiary's packed and it's filled with blacks. I wake up in the morning and I ask myself, is life worth living? Should I blast myself? I'm tired of being poor and even worse than black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. Cops give a damn about a knee, bro. Pull a trigger, kill a nigga, he's a hero. Mo nigga, mo nigga, mo niggas. I'd rather be dead than a poor nigga and let the Lord judge the criminals. And if I die, I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. And I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. And I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. Just think if niggas decide to retaliate. Soldier in the house. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. 
I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. Yeah, I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. So that was um, Tupac. I wonder if heaven's got a ghetto. Before that, we had U-N-I-T-Y with <coughs> Queen Latifah. Who you calling bitch, she says. Black History Month, and I want to celebrate today a song by Grandmaster Flash, which was one of the very first hip-hop songs that engaged uh, social realities. Called the called the message, Guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room, roaches in the back, junkies in the alley with the baseball bat. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far. Cause a man with the touch truck repossessed my car. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Out the window, watching all the cars go by, roaring as the breezes blow. A crazy lady living in a bag, eating out of garbage pails. Used to be a fag hag, such a dash to tango. Skipped the life and dango. A circus prince to seem to lost her senses. Down at the peep show, watching all the creeps, so she can tell her stories to the girls back home. She went to the city and got so 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 diddy. She had to get a pimp, she couldn't make it on her own. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. My brother's doing fast on my mother's TV. Says she watches too much. It's just not healthy. All my children in the daytime, Dallas at night, can't even see the game or the Sugar Ray fight. The bill collectors, they ring my phone and scare my wife when I'm not home. Got a bum education, double-digit inflation. Can't take the train to the job. There's a strike at the station. Neon King Kong standing on my back. Can't stop to turn around. Broke my sacroiliac. A mid-range migraine, cancer membrane. Sometimes I think I'm going insane. I swear I might hijack a plane. Don't push me. Call, I'm close to the edge I'm trying not to lose my head 
It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Got a job, learn to be a street sweeper. I dance to the beat, shuffle for my feet, wear a shirt and tie, and run with the creeps. Cause it's all about money, ain't a damn thing funny. You got to have a con in this land of milk and honey. They pushed that girl in front of the train, took her to the doctor, sold her arm on the game. Stabbed that man right in his heart, gave him a transplant for a brand new start. I can't walk through the park, cause it's crazy after dark. Keep my hand on my gun, cause they got me on the run. I feel like an outlaw, broke my last glass jaw. Hear them say, you want some more? Living on a seesaw. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Say what? It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. A child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too, because only God knows what you'll go through. You'll grow in the ghetto, living second rate, and your eyes will sing a song of deep hate. The places you play and where you stay looks like one great big alleyway. You'll admire all the number book takers, thugs, pimps, and pushers, and the big money makers. Driving big cars, spending 20s and 10s, and you want to grow up to be just like them. <laughs> Smugglers, scramblers, Burglars, gamblers, pickpocket peddlers, even panhandlers. You say, I'm cool, I'm no fool, but then you wind up dropping out of high school. Now you're unemployed, all non-void, walking around like your pretty boy Floyd. Turn stick up, kid, but look what you done did. Got sent up for an eight-year bid. Now your manhood is took and you're a make tag. Spend the next two years as an undercover fag being used in the field to serve like hell. To one day, you was found hung dead in the cell. It was plain to see that your life was lost. You was Cold and your body swung back and forth But now your eyes sing the sad, sad song Of how you live so fast and die so young So don't push me Cause I'm close to the edge I'm trying not to lose my head <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes It makes me wonder how I keep from going under <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes It makes me wonder how I keep from going under <laughs> Yo, Mel, you see that girl, man? Yeah, man Ain't no beautiful problem. Yo, you ain't got a 
Okay, I want to jump to some other labor news. This is about the company called Yelp, and there's kind of a nice uh, legend going around that uh, Silicon Valley companies are somehow modern, progressive, good places to work. This is a story about a Yelp employee named Talia Jane who wrote a letter to her, the president, the president of Yelp, complaining about her uh, pay. She wrote an open letter to Yelp CEO Jeremy Stoppelman on Friday explaining how she could not afford to pay groceries had stopped using her heater, spent 80% of her income on paying rent in San Francisco, and was balancing all sorts of debt trying to pave a life for myself that doesn't involve crying in the bathtub every week. Your employee for your food delivery app that you spent $300 million on can't afford to buy food. That's got to be a little ironic. Um, for that she got fired might lose my job for this she tweeted so it'd be cool if you shared so I could go out in a blaze of people knowing why I got fired someone at Yelp PR is informing people who call that my termination wasn't related to my letter lots of love and ice cubes don't melt in heat. Laugh out loud, I should say. The HR lady and my manager straight up told me that the letter violated Yelp's terms of, con terms of conduct, and that's why they had to let me go. The incident drew a series of responses from Stoppelman, who addressed her concerns by acknowledging the high cost of living in San Francisco are rebuffing any allegations that the one he was the one who fired Jane. It really doesn't matter very much. Of course, we all know San Francisco is high-priced to live, but we also know that companies like Yelp need lots of workers, and it would behoove them to pay a living wage so their workers would be happier, better adjusted, and better off economically so they could come to their jobs let's see so Stoppelman put out five tweets he wants to acknowledge that our co the cost of living in San Francisco is far too high well we can all agree on that so he says he's working to find to make affordable housing in San Francisco and he says, there are two sides to every HR story, so please put down the pitchforks. The reality of such a high Bay Area cost of living. Anyway, he says there's open, they're opening a branch in Arizona where it's cheaper to live. The amazing thing about this was not that she wrote a letter but the response to it. Um, 
the response to it by um, a Fox News reporter and by some bloggers has been that uh, she's whining. You knew, they said, you knew what kind of lifestyle you adopted. You knew what the pay was. You made all these decisions. Stop complaining. And then the other one said, well, once I found out she had a, a PayPal account for people to help her pay her rent, I thought it was so, so sneaky of her, I guess. I guess is the point. Um, and I want to bring up what Malcolm X said about uh, slaves um, slaves that worked in the house and on the house of the plantation and slaves who worked in the fields first of all Stephanie Williams a blogger who writes frequently for the Huffington Post wrote off Talia Benora's post as a whining disdain of an entitled millennia. You are a young, white, English-speaking woman with a degree and a family who I would assume is helping you out at the moment. And you're asking for handouts from strangers while you sit on your ass looking for cushy jobs you are not entitled to. While you complain about the establishment probably from a nice laptop. In other words, this writer is turning on a fellow worker who's trying to make her life better. She's saying you shouldn't even dare ask for more. How dare you ask for more? And, of course, it's simple. She's not making enough money to get to survive in San Francisco. This brings to mind what Malcolm X said once about he would tell the story about the field worker and the house worker. He used the word nigger. I'm not going to use the word nigger. The, the house worker identified with the boss. The house worker would say if the boss was sick or something, the house worker would say, boss, we all right? We all right? He had identified so much with his master that he talked about them as one thing. We all right. That's what this woman, this woman blogger is. This woman blogger is one of the house people. Okay? She identifies with the boss. Somehow she has internalized the boss's value and has made herself into a mouthpiece for her boss or her boss's class. Malcolm said the field workers were different. All day long they caught hell. They were doing the work that made the boss rich. Italia Jane, Ben Ora. She doesn't care what happens to the boss. So she took her disdain. She took her, her inability to survive. I mean, I guess it's not okay to have your family help you. Um, there's a real tone of bitterness underneath this woman's uh, blog. Um, the 
field people didn't really care that much about the boss. <clears throat> they weren't, they were allied with each other, not with their boss. But there's always slaves. And even if they are not official slaves, they're slaves in their mind. Someone is attacking another working person, another woman, for complaining about her pay. And she didn't even, she didn't even uh, talk about the issue of why the woman got fired for sending the letter. So anyway, everywhere you look around, they're slaves. Okay, maybe they're not slaves in fact, in, in the way they're but they're slaves in their mind colonialized internally stand up fucking people ally yourself with working people who are trying to make their lives better no $8.15 is not enough to live on in San Francisco and in many places in this United States like to see the woman who wrote this blog live on 8.15 an hour. Okay, my buddy Francisco Herrera, who uh, one of these days will be on this show. He's, re he's running for supervisor right now. Here we go. Donde las naciones sean simplemente como tiendas o como malls en los estados nacionales cambian sus funciones de ser políticas a ser administrativas. Entonces el político pasa de ser un político a un gerente de ventas. Se vende el agua, se vende el mar, se vende el aire. Y ahora la modernidad en el siglo XXI, quiero decir un gran mercado mundial, donde las naciones sean simplemente como tiendas o como malls en los estados nacionales. Cambian sus funciones de ser políticas a ser administrativas. Entonces el político pasa de ser un político a un gerente de ventas. Se vende el agua, se vende el mar, se vende el aire y el bienestar.
¿Qué será de mis hijos? ¿Qué será del futuro? No, se vende todo, se vende Van Morrison cleaning windows. Yeah, we carried our letters down the street with the raw iron gate rose. I went home and listened to Jimmy Rogers in my lunch break. At the shop on the corner and went straight back to work. Oh, Sam was up on top and I was on the bottom with the V. We went for lemonade and Paris buns at the shop and broke for tea. That's it. Inside out I was blowing saxophone on the weekend In a down joint What's my life? I'll have to be cleaning windows Take my time I'll see you when my love grows Number 36.
now I don't understand all the buttons and the bells But there's one thing I will say I thank the Lord that love's still made in the good old-fashioned way I was Joe Glazer thinking about automation, the automation of the world, the technicalization, the digitation, digitization of the world. Is it making us better? Is it making us happier? It certainly hypnotized us. So here's the response to that attack on Talia Jane. And this is Forbes magazine. Author is Carolyn Beaton. In the wake of 25-year-old Talia Jean's popular medium blog post lamenting her low salary at Yelp and high San Francisco rent, 29-year-old bartender and aspiring screenwriter Stephanie Williams wrote a now viral response. In it, Williams argued that the trouble with people like Talia Jane is the outlook of so many of your age, is self-important indolence. You sit on your ass looking for, we already read that part. The problem, claims Williams, is Talia, you expected to get what you thought you deserved rather than expected to work for what you had to earn. Apparently, uh, Williams struck a chord, but her thoughts aren't new. Since the oldest millennials turned 16, articles deriding the fragility, self-centeredness, incompetence, and poor work ethic of Generation Y have abounded. Many, like William, use anecdotal evidence to make sweeping but unsubstantiated generalizations. Some of these claims are verified by research. Cross-generational studies repeatedly show that millennials are more assertive, confident, expectant, and narcissistic than any other generation. (laughs) This is a trend, I guess. I mean, who started this? However, not lazy, not according to science. A survey from Citigroup and Seventeen magazine found that almost 80% of both college and high school students take at least a part-time job during the school year, a higher rate than ever before. The Wharton School of Business surveyed its students in 1992 and in 2012. In 1992, the grads estimated they'd be working an average of 58 hours a week after graduation. In 2012, they guessed 72 hours. 1992-78% of the class plan to have children compared to only 42 in 2012. Yet the percentage of students who wanted children was the same. According to research by Bentley University, more than half the millennials are willing to work long hours and weekends to achieve career success. A survey by Ernst & Young's Global Generation Research found that 47% of millennials in management positions have been 
begun working more hours in the last five years compared with only 38% of Generation X and 28% of baby boomers. <clears throat> it's wonderful how people on the right seem to be able to couch this all in the language of choice, that you're choosing to live like this or not choosing to. This is the situation that's presented to working people at this time. I think it has very little to do with their abilities. They're realizing all of a sudden that they're having to work harder than they ever dreamed and for less money. And when someone like Talia Jane raises a cry about it, the slaves strike her down. These are her colleagues. These are her working class uh, members just like her. Talia Jane has becoming a lightning rod, the author continues, for the condemnatory rhetoric surrounding Generation Y. But regardless of what her letters convey, she's a singular point among hundreds of other data, not a microcosm. Armchair warriors far and wide are hereby advised to inform their perspectives with reason and research rather than leaping on the opportunity to wag figures. Maybe Stephanie Williams feels like she'll draw attention to herself if she attacks one of her own. want to talk about the movie in theaters, which I haven't seen, but I do plan to see, about Jesse Owens, uh, an American athlete <clears throat> who in the 1930s set several for African Americans um, after him by showing us that we can do anything, no matter who's against set us. Set several records. James Let me set Cleveland this. Owens it's already born started. In Oakville, Alabama, on September 12th, 19. medals in the Olympics held in Nazi Germany in 1936. Famously, Hitler uh, refused to shake hands with him. Uh, some apologists now say that Hitler just left early, didn't want to watch it, but his theories predicted that whites, especially Germans, especially what he called Aryans, were superior to African-Americans, he called them people of mud. So this is a biography of Jesse Owens. Thirteen, dubbed Jesse Owens, the young athlete was a notable runner even in elementary school. The gym teacher, Charles Riley, noticed him running on the playground and recognized the talent Jesse Owens had. Owens later wrote that Riley was the first white person he ever knew and that he gave Owens hope that there were other white people who would understand and come to love African Americans. 
After setting track records in junior high and high school, Owens was accepted to Ohio State University. Ohio State was not desegregated at the time Jesse Owens attended school there, which meant that he had to live off campus. He was not able to eat his meals with his white colleagues, and there were no scholarships for him, so he had to work um, multiple jobs in order to pay his tuition. While competing for Ohio State University, Owens won eight individual NCAA championships and made history during the Big Ten championships. In 1935 at the Big Ten Track and Field Championships, he broke three world records, he tied another record. And so within a 45-minute span, the Buckeye Bullet, as they called him, had become one of the greatest track athletes in the world. I can't imagine anyone doing anything near to that these days. Not even just competing in those four events in 45 minutes and winning them, but breaking and tying world records is just phenomenal and no one's ever done it since. During the 1936 Summer Olympics in Berlin, Owens sealed his place in history by winning four gold medals in the face of Adolf Hitler. Owens is ahead. Metcalf comes up. But Owens wins in 10.3. The Olympics were a pivotal event in Jesse's life because they were in Berlin, and Adolf Hitler basically thought the Olympics would be a showcase for the Aryan athletes who he considered a dominant race. But here was an African-American, Jesse Owens, who struck a mighty blow against Hitler when he shattered the myth of Aryan superiority. Jesse, on behalf of the mayor of New York, I extend you greetings and best wishes and welcome you back home. When Jesse Owens uh, came back from the Berlin Games, he was greeted with a hero's welcome. They had a ticker tape parade for him in New York City. There was a celebratory reception for him at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. And the irony is, he had to take the freight elevator up to the reception because he was black. Although Owens returned to America a hero, his attempt to take commercial offers ended his amateur racing career, and he struggled to earn a living. Unlike white Olympic stars such as Johnny Weissmuller and Buster Crabbe, who were offered film roles, both of them played Tarzan in films and became film stars of that era. Jesse didn't get any film offers, and he struggled to make ends meet, and he eventually filed for bankruptcy. In his later career, Owens worked as a consultant and inspirational speaker. In 1976, he was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And 10 years after his death from lung cancer, on March 31, 1980, Owens received the Congressional Gold Medal. USA Track and Field has an annual award, and it is called the Jesse Owens Athlete of the Year Award. And it's called that because he was our greatest athlete. He fought for so much, and he inspired so many people. So when you receive that award as an athlete, it makes you feel like you've become somebody important. Not Jesse Owens, but somebody to follow in his footsteps. That's the story of Jesse Owens. Currently, uh, the movie Race <clears throat> is out, uh, telling the story of Owens, a bio, biopic. What it, um, so we'll see how close that is to history. Owens was unable to earn a living. He did do stunts like race horses and race cars. Any way he could get to exploit his uh, ability as a sprinter, <clears throat> as an athlete. Um, a great career. So check out the movie Race about Jesse Owens. We're passing the 1130 point here, and I want to... 
I wanted to mention something called the Powell Memo. The Powell Memo was written in 1971 by a man named Lewis Powell, who was a lawyer, served on the Supreme Court uh, as a Nixon appointee. Um, and he wrote a memo in 1971 as business and commercial leaders, big corporate heads, were very concerned about the direction that American society was taking. No one wanted to be, in the wake of the Vietnam War, in the wake of all the civil rights movements and the organizing that had taken place in the 60s and early 70s, fewer and fewer people wanted to go into business. Fewer and fewer young people wanted to go into business. So he wrote the Powell Mem Memorandum to a friend at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Actually, they commissioned it. The memo called for corporate America to become more aggressive in molding politics and law in the U.S. and may have sparked the formation of several influential right-wing think tanks and lobbying organizations such as the Heritage Foundation and the American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC, as well as inspiring the U.S. Chamber of Commerce to become far more politically active. One Marxist academic traces the rise of neoliberalism in the U.S. to this memo. And the memo was called The Attack on the American Free Enterprise System. He wrote, the most disquieting voices joining the chorus of criticism came from perfectly respectable elements of society. This is their own class. The college campus, the pulpit, the media, the intellectual and literary journals, the arts and scientists, and from politicians. In the memorandum, Powell advocated constant surveillance of textbook and television content, as well as a purge of left-wing elements. He named consumer advocate Ralph Nader as the chief antagonist of American business. And of course the reason that that is uh, significant nowadays is that states keep changing their textbooks to reflect a much more of a right-wing, conservative, pro-business point of view. Uh, in one southern textbook, slaves are uh, described as in immigrant workers. And uh, the state of Texas has, and Arizona have expunged uh, all kinds of Chicano activists and that whole tradition from their textbooks. Here's one in Oklahoma just, just recently. Oklahoma, a state that has previously taken aim at such societal ills as hoodies and gay people, has found its newest target, AP history classes. That's advanced placement classes, which are supposed to be a cut above your regular history class. Unaware the state 
that their state has become a satire on the folly of man, an Oklahoma legislative committee overwhelmingly voted to ban advanced placement U.S. history classes because these classes only teach what is bad about America and fail to teach American exceptionalism, according to the Tulsa World. The man who introduced the legislation is a pastor who wants to strike down the separation between church and state. Oklahoma currently 48th out of 50 states for overall education. This is the state where they banned Sharia Islamic law back in 2010 because religious extremists have already infiltrated the state's government not Islamic ones, but Christian ones. To them, history isn't about teaching facts, it's about brainwashing. Meanwhile, the high school I attended didn't have enough paper for tests. We didn't have enough desks for students. We didn't have enough new classrooms or new textbooks or new equipment. I'm proud this person writes To be an Oklahoman, but I'm embarrassed by my home state's government. I embarrassed, I'm embarrassed when I say I'm from Oklahoma, people will think first of idiots like Dan Fisher and Sally Kern, the people who push this law through. Uh, this is certainly a big problem in um this extends to um, multicultural history, to critiques of American government, to labor studies. Uh, you hardly find uh, anything about labor history in our state textbooks, even here in California. What there is is either celebratory about one or two uh, people, for example, Cesar Chavez or Dolores Huerta, celebrating what remarkable people they were instead of the movement they led, or you get a mention now and then of a labor action, but no sense of a continuous development and dialectic between labor and the state. America turns out to be very weak when it comes to supporting its workers. Coming down the back stretch here, 1141. Let's do some labor, this day in labor history. Remember, you're only alone when you don't stand up. And if you stay seated, you're going to be counted as standing up for sitting down. February 22nd. Representatives of the Knights of Labor, this is in 1892, meet in St. Louis with 20 other organizations to plan the founding convention of the People's Party. Got involved in the election of 1892, where the uh, candidate was William Jennings Bryan. Albert Schenker died on February 22nd at age 68. 
real uh, builder of the uh, UFT, the Federation of Teachers, and a giant in the organization of teachers in general, teachers as workers. This day marks the birth of W.E.D. Boys, educator and civil rights activist, born in 1868. Du Bois was a very highly regarded academician, sociologist, who wrote about the lives of black folk. That's the name of his first and most uh, and his best known work. Um, William Randolph Hearst, San Francisco Examiner, began publishing articles about the menace of Japanese laborers, leading to a resolution in the California legislature that action be taken against their immigration. The year's 1904. On this day, Woody Guthrie wrote, This land is your land, following a frigid trip, partially by hitchhiking, partially by rail, from California to Manhattan. The Great Depression was still raging. Guthrie had heard Kate Smith's recording, God Bless America, and resolved to himself, we can't just bless America. We've got to change it. So he wrote, this land is your land. February 27, 1937, more than 100 women workers at one of 40 Woolworth stores in Detroit, Michigan, begin a sit-down strike over wages, hours, working conditions, and union recognition. Solidarity action in support of the workers was incredible. The strike spread, and on March 5th, the workers won their demands, including the union shop. The union won a uniform contract for all 40 stores in Detroit, which covered more than 2,500 workers. You can read that more about that one in a book called Three Strikes. Young white women at Woolworths, who might be considered as lucky to have a job, <laughs> went on strike and won their strike. Today in labor history, February 25th, 1941, the February strike begins. It was a general strike in the Nazi-occupied Netherlands by workers against the pogroms and deportation of Jews in Amsterdam. It was the only direct action of its kind during World War II in Europe against the Nazis' treatment of Jews. The strike is commemorated annually on February 25th at the statue of Der Dock Worker in Amsterdam. February 24th, 1919, Congress passes a federal child labor law that imposes a 10% tax on companies that employ children. The Supreme Court struck it down in 1922. This day in labor history. On lawyers, guns, and money, this day in labor history. 
a strike of graduate students at Yale University. 1992, February 17th, uh, an issue that, by the way, still is uh, unresolved. And I'm sure we mentioned this, but let's mention again, February 22nd, this day in labor history. Indian field hands at Mission San Juan Capistrano Mission refused to work, engaging in what was probably the first farm strike in California, 1826. Okay, we're a few minutes away from flat black plastic. So let's uh, get out of here. This is the B. Telling you like it is, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never, Give your heart to someone who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Thanks for listening. And please come on down here to Mutiny Radio to this incredible comedy festival that'll be on beginning March 2nd and lasting until... Sunday, total of 20 different acts, every day beginning at 6 p.m. and lasting till 11 p.m. here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street, corner of Florida. This is the B. Call out to my soulmate, Sylvia Ramirez. My daughter, who makes me prouder every day to be a dad, and all my extended family, have a good week and good work. This is The Bee, signing off.
California. Jonathan, I know you love tinctures. I do. Yeah. Most people don't even know what those are. Yeah, most of them don't. And we need to give uh, everybody a little example of what we know. Well, they should go to trialta.com to see the six different kinds of cannabinoids that are all distilled for their medicinal needs. Yes, and they're so wonderful. Have you heard about the CBN? Did you even know this existed? Is that like waffles? No, CBN is the cannabinoid in the plant that makes you fall asleep. Oh my God. Weed to make you sleep. Yeah. Does that put cancer to sleep? It puts cancer to sleep. It doesn't even get you high. It just puts you to sleep. There's also the THCA. Pain relief. Don't need any more opioids. Does that come from the vegetation state? It, it certainly does. You clearly know your botanicals. You know your Alta California botanicals. Yes, and there's also a CB, high CBD and a mixture of both high THC and CBD. That's right. Helps with the shaky shakies. If you have anxiety, go with the CBD. If you like to get high, go with the THC. Go with it all. Go to your local dispensary and ask for it by name. Alta California botanicals. Or go to tryalta.com. If you give them your medical prescription, you can get two weeks for free Alta. <laughs> absolutely try alta.com hey you psychedelic junkies need something to do Tuesday March 1st well get your ass on out to the Golden Bull in Oakland at 8 p.m. For a stellar lineup of psychedelic rock, brought to you by Subliminal SF. Featuring War Cloud, Cloud Catcher of Denver, and Skunk. Then, Thursday, March 31st, check out Seattle Band UN Hissing and Cardinal Worm, also another band to be announced. Same place, same time, $8. Funeral Doom is the genre. For complete listings and more information, visit subliminalsf.com or check them out on Facebook. See you there. What's up, San Francisco? The SF Eagle Bar is proud to sponsor the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. The SF Eagle is about to celebrate its third year anniversary since reopening under new ownership and new management. We are historically a gay leather bar, and now we cater to the queer LGBT community. As well as our allies by hosting fundraisers for local nonprofits and events to celebrate love and equality. I ain't got no dick, but I love the Eagle. Yeah, you Woo, do. Yes. Located at 398 12th Street at Harrison Street and open every single goddamn day. So check www.sf-eagle.com yeah. for calendar of events. And we will see you 3316. By the way, opening day of our special midnight comedy showcase for the mutiny comedy festival i see you guys there hell yeah
Extreme Metal's taking over. Golden Bull in Oakland, April 5th, with the Death Kings of LA, Genocide Skin, Ort Cloud, and other bands to be announced. 8 p.m., $8, all industrial metal. They come again on April 15th to see some noise rock. The other band on Earth will be there. Jerkagram of LA will be there. And Love Moon. Same place, different time. 9 p.m., 7 bucks. Brought to you by Subliminal SF. For complete listings and more information, visit subliminalsf.com or check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash subliminalsf. Blue Ribbon is a proud sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. We appreciate how comedians are, well, they're poor, and they need a delicious and inexpensive alternative to craft beer. Now, that's why every Pabst Blue Ribbon is affordable and accessible to even the dirtiest of dickbag comedians, allowing them to be in public at a bar interacting with people they probably shouldn't, like women. So go buy your favorite comedian a PBR. They need the encouragement that someone, somewhere, cares what they have to say. Paps Blue Ribbon, keeping comedians funny with classically delicious flavor since 1844. Which is crazy, because it was America's best in Well then, come to the Golden Bull in Oakland, 
for a night of doom metal with the dragged into sunlight out of UK primitive man of Denver and cult leader Salt Lake City 8 p.m. $10 July 15th brought to you by subliminal SF for complete listings and more information, visit subliminalsf.com or check them out on Facebook. See you then. Asiento. Asiento, this locally owned mission neighborhood bar and restaurant, is excited to be a sponsor for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2016. We hope you'll join us any night at the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival for happy hour pricing all night long. Just mention that you were an audience member for happy hour pricing March 2nd through 6th at Asiento, 2730 21st Street at Bryant Street, just a half a block away from Mutiny Radio. Asiento has a warm, friendly neighborhood vibe that's perfect for an after-work drink or for a night out, featuring a comfortable bar and extensive tapas menu. This is the perfect place for groups that want to get together for drinks and food without the restaurant commitment. Don't be surprised if you suddenly find yourself at Asiento for the entire night. It feels just like home with bartender service. Asiento! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over... Hey, people. This is Flat Black Blasted coming to you from the mission. Sunny mission. On uh, mutinyradio.fm. It's time to have some no fun.